Let's read the first 10 verses, Acts chapter 17. The Bible said, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was the synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went unto them, three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. Some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas and of the devout Greeks, great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the Bezer sort, which just means a vulgar crowd. They gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar. Kind of reminds me of what the Democrats did with uh, the mob that was looting and destroying property. Amen. I'm always going to preach against the Democrats. Amen. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, <laughs> and the Bible said, and they set all the city on an uproar. Do you remember the Congress uh, women and men back in 2018? Uh, told them to destroy and to face people and yell in the faces of other people because they didn't believe like them? Are you listening to me? This is the same crowd that is stirring up the crowd, you see. Uh, we're just about back where they were, amen. And the Bible said, and they set all the city on an uproar, and they assaulted the house of Jason, and they sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren under the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also, whom Jason had received. Now he uh, let Paul and Silas apparently took him into their home. And these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. Thank God there is. And they troubled the people. Hmm. Sounds familiar. And the rulers of the city, when they heard these things, and when they'd taken security of Jason, now what that simply meant was they took a pledge from him, probably a sum of money that Jason gave them so that they would release Paul and Silas. And the Bible said, and they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night under Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. Here's my text. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. If the Lord would help me just a few moments tonight, I want to preach on the more noble church. The more noble church. Now, the one thing that they did do good in Thessalonica, number one, was that they learned to entertain uh, the servants of God. Now, can I say that this church doesn't need to be preached to uh, on how to take care of a man of God. I believe we do a good job of that. I believe we need to be reminded from time to time. Uh, I preached last year in three churches that hadn't gave their pastor raise in 20 years. Can you imagine that? 20 years. Aren't you glad that Bible does better than that uh, to our pastor? Amen. Hallelujah. Hey, they, they had provided for the man of God. But can I say they also, Brother Sam, they protected uh, the man of God. 
Stand up for your preacher. Amen. I mean, stand up for him. I don't want to fight anybody, but I believe if I ever would, uh, it'd be over the man of God. Amen. I may be short and fat, but I can still run fast for a little bit of time. Amen. I can hit you and I'll run you for a little bit. But the truth of the matter is, uh, I love the man of God. Uh, I believe in the man of God. Uh, and I'm going to stand for the man of God. Uh, and I don't want you uh, coming to me and criticizing the church or the preacher, amen. 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 And in the seven years I've been a member and probably about 15 have been coming here preaching, I never had had that problem and I'm sure I never will. But the truth of the matter is uh, we ought to stand for the man of God. Amen. If I couldn't stand for him, I'd go where I could stand for him. Amen. Stand for the preacher. I didn't preach this message, but I preached this message or another message uh, at Brother Granson. There were some issues there uh, because they wasn't standing with the preacher. You know what? You got to stand. God will honor a church uh, that'll take care of its preacher. Amen. That's his man. That's who he called. That's who he put there. And that's who he's going to take care of. And if you do your part, I do my part, God will bless us for taking care of him amen amen hallelujah for those that are still with me number two they entertain the the servants of God now can I say this this church of Berea only three times that you find the word mentioned in the Bible and none of them had a letter written to them brother Thomas they were the more noble church Paul never had to write them a letter what about that because they had their business taken care of. Now, the word, Brother Dave, noble, means two things. Number one, it means they excelled in spirit. They were more gracious. They were more gracious. You know, being more gracious is putting others before yourself. And you know how you do that? Through the prayer that he just preached about. There'll be times in my life that, I'll be doing something and the Lord say, you know, you're really putting yourself before them. And you know how you pull up on somebody and they're going slow <laughs> and they're Sunday drivers, you know, and you really want to go around them and you really push up to them. And the other day I was kind of running real close to a fellow and the Lord said, you know, you ought to just back off a little bit. Uh, uh, you're not going nowhere in a hurry. It'll be all right. Just slow down a little bit, amen. And so I backed off a little bit. You see, a lot of times uh, we make it more about us and we're we're not gracious enough. Uh, I'm preaching to me. Uh, I'm preaching to you. I read about three days ago in the book of Exodus. Uh, and the Lord said, I am gracious. Uh, I said, Lord, uh, if you had not been, I'd be in a mess. Uh, I don't know how many times you overlooked uh, and you forgave me and you helped me. I'm so glad that you're gracious. Uh, he would have thrown me away a long time ago. But thank God for the grace uh, of God and the graciousness of the Lord. Amen. How many times have I dropped the ball? How many times have you dropped the ball? He said, I'm gracious. If Bible Baptist Church is a noble church, a more noble church will be gracious. Number two, it means also to be generous. Not only with our money, and I think Bible Baptist does pretty good with that, what about our time? 
Our time in prayer, our time in reading, our time in witnessing, our time given to the Lord. Amen? Do we look forward to Wednesday night or we dread Wednesday night? At work on Wednesday, you say, man, I got to hurry up. I got to get home. I got to get a shower. Got to get the kids ready. We got to get to church. Or do we say, praise God, we get to go to church tonight. It's Wednesday night. Uh, we get to go to the house of God. I've had to put up with all the kind of garbage around me for three days uh, and listen to junk you didn't have a choice to listen to. I get to go to church. Thank God where the man of God is preaching and the song of Zion are being sung. I get to be around God's people, generous with our time, amen. Our money, our talents. Can I say, young people, don't ever give the devil your talents. Don't ever play a guitar and play an a, a awful song, a garbage song. Don't ever play a piano. Don't ever sing a song. I remember one time I walking into a church and a young people, a young person was playing and they didn't know anybody's around and it's playing the devil's music. Don't ever do that, especially in the house of God. But don't give the devil your talents. Give them to the Lord. He's the one who gave you that talent. Use him for the glory of God. Magnify him. Exalt him with your life. Amen. And with your talents. This more noble church, they were more generous, amen. Amen, you can never give God too much. We already said, established, we can't pray enough. When we think, I don't know anybody that ever believed that they pray enough. I'll tell you what I do know, the more you pray, God will use your life because it'll help get rid of you. Amen. And we, we sure need to be getting rid of. Amen. Uh, this more noble church, they, they excelled in spirit. Can I say number two? They embraced the sermon. You know what he said in verse 11? They received the word. They received the word. Can I tell you, we're living in a day where we don't receive the word. Uh, a man preach anything uh, against anything in anybody's life and we get angry today. Who in the world does he think he is? Uh, I'll just go down the road. I'll go to that other church. They won't preach to me how I live. They don't care what I listen to. They don't care where I go. They don't care what I watch. I'm telling you there's a God in heaven that does uh, and we ought to live to please him. I don't live to please this man of God. I live to please him. Uh, I want my pastor to be pleased with me but I'm trying to please the God of heaven who reached down in the muck and mire sin and picked me up and changed my life and give me a life worth living for I'm not trying to please the brethren I'm not trying to please those around me I'm trying to please the God of heaven thank God if he loved me enough to save me and come and get me the least I can do is try to please him amen we get our standards all mixed up sometimes. We feel that it's, we got to. Ah, oh, that's what the preacher said. Can't do that. It ought to be, praise God, I don't want to. I want to honor the Lord. Amen. They accepted it, but then they acted upon it. They said with readiness. That means willingness. That means they were not just hearers of the word but doers. You know what I like about preaching? It'll get down where you live. <laughs> It'll convict you. I like to be preached to. I, I preach all the time, but I like to be preached to. 
Because when I'm preached to, the Holy Ghost, just like he fingers your heart, when I'm preaching, when someone else is preaching, he's a finger in my heart. You know what? We'll never be what we ought to be. We'll strive and we'll work, but it's so rotten flesh every morning we get up, he resurrects himself and we got to crucify him and bury him and throughout the day he'll try to stick his head up. That's just because of who we are. I'm telling you, we'll never be perfect until we get to the house and get a brand new body, but we ought to strive with all within our heart to do that which is pleasing and act upon the word of God. Brother Milford Biddle, Probably one of the godless men I ever knew. You know how gracious he was, how gentle he was. But this is the way it was back in the day. My former pastor, Steve Griffith, when he got saved, he's an 18-year-old, long-haired, hippie boy. 18 years old, had hair past his shoulders. I'm talking about Brother Biddle now. Brother Steve got saved one night, he was preaching. When he got up off the altar, Brother Biddle looked at him and said, Hey, boy! Now go get your haircut. What about that? The average person today, they'd, ha- they'd, just, they'd have a cow. What? Can you believe that preacher told that fella to go get a haircut? But guess what Brother Steve did? He went and got a haircut. And he'd been preaching for over 40 years. I don't guess it hurt him, you see. He acted upon what he got told. Amen. Amen. I don't know what I travel around. You other fellas try. I don't know if you're saying, but it seems like our our Southern Baptist fender skirts are coming back in. Uh, they're, they're getting longer and, and I'm seeing men who are taking up offerings and, 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 and singing in the choir and they're coming down here and it's getting down here. And I, I don't understand all that, amen. Uh, 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 we, I call them uh, Southern Baptist fender skirts. But anyhow, uh, the truth of the matter is uh, we ought to act upon the preaching that we hear, amen, amen. They embrace the sermon. Can I say, verse 12, they evangelized the sinner. Mm. You know, we're commissioned to go. And because, Brother Lamar, we can't go to Africa, we can send somebody there. We can send somebody to Australia. That's why we give to missions. That is why we support. We, we're commissioned to go. There isn't a choice in that. Brother Thomas, we, we must go. We must tell. If we're not only commissioned, it ought to be a course of our life. You know why this world's in a mess? Because we're not winning enough people to Jesus. You see, they have tried reformation in the prison system. It don't work. You can try to reform a man all you want to. What did the Bible say about that pig? Say he's going to go back to the old waller. He's going to go back to the old mud hole because he's a pig. But you get Jesus down inside there, and you know what happens? It changes him. Amen. I remember this fellow telling a story and he said that this man, he wanted to go to a prison and have a revival. And Brother Jason, he went to the warden and, and there was a lady and he said, I, I'd like to have a revival here. And she said, well, I, I don't know. Said, you fellas aren't really serious about it. She said, there was a man that used to come here and said he would go out into the field and he would fast and pray a week before the meeting. And she said we could hear him moaning and groaning all day long. And she said when that man would come and 
preached that week. Every individual that made a profession of faith, they lived for God until they died or they lived for God until they left. You know why? Because I'm telling you the Holy Ghost got a hold of them and changed their life. I'm telling you, thank God. I'm glad that God still saves old sinners. I'm glad that God is still working in the hearts and lives of people and you and I are to tell the world about Jesus. Amen. Pray for my neighbor. His name is Rusty. I just met him, I believe it was Thursday or Friday last week. He lives kind of diagonally across from me. I saw him out in the yard and stopped. Brother David began to talk to him. He's 70 some years old. And he said, I, I'm a little confused. He said, I've got so many different kind of preachers in my family. I don't know what I, I, I believe. And boy, it broke my heart the next morning praying for him. And I begged God to give me an opportunity. I said to him, I said, would you let me take you out? and get a Coca-Cola sometime and talk to you about the Lord. And he said, sure. And so you pray that God would work that out. Uh, you see, that, that's how we build a church uh, is that we evangelize. If we don't have the opportunity uh, to go door knocking, we ought to be doing it every day of our life anyhow. Amen. The more noble church is the one that's reaching out. I like to go to church. Uh, I was preaching up north uh, and it's very quiet up there. And uh, anyway, uh, I was a preaching and this church came and and I guess they at one time were a free will now they're independent and and what I loved about it they had a lot of fellas <laughs> you can tell they hadn't been saved long Man, they had chains hanging out down. I'm talking about big old long hair and, and tattoos. And I'm talking about a mess. But you know what them old boys did? They went to church with me. I'm talking about it's a quiet. You could hear church, uh, a church mouth. But you know what? Man, I was a preacher and I was like, amen, amen. You know why? Because they had just gotten saved. And I'm telling you, that church is a working on old sinners. And I like it when old sinners uh, come to the house of God and get born again. I love to see people get in the family of God. Amen. I remember one church fellow got up and he said well, he said I can see y'all dressed right around here and got good haircuts and everybody's doing good. He said I can tell there ain't no sinners in the house. What about that? I'm not ashamed to see someone come in that ain't dressed right. You know what? I want to see people get saved. Amen. I'm not worried about their earrings and their tattoos and their necklaces. I don't care about that. I want to see them get saved. I'm glad God looked beyond the mess I was and he came after me. I'm glad he came after you. I'm glad he looked over what you were. Looked past the drunkenness and the dope and looked across the filthiness and your vulgar mouth and he said, I love you. You're a sinner and you need to be saved saved and he saved you I'm glad God is still in the saving business amen amen more noble church they evangelize sinner can I say number five that they examine the scriptures he said they exercise them daily you know I'm amazed that people still don't read their bible every day I'll preach in a meeting preach on bible reading and someone would go up and testify. Say, man, pray for me. I've not been doing it. And they've been in church 25 years. I don't understand that. 
We have got to read them every day. We've got to read the Word of God every day. We've got to read the Word of God every day to digest the, then to dis discernment. The Bible said to search to see if those things are so. One thing you'll never do, you'll never be able when I'm done preaching, say, well, that wasn't in the Bible because I'm not going to give you anything that's not in the Bible. Amen? But he said, search to see if those things were so. Now, back in the day, when I was coming up, if you had a beard, you couldn't preach. They weren't going to let you preach. But I'll be honest with you, there's no scripture against having a beard. I personally don't have one, and I'm not going to have one. But there is no scripture for a man to have a beard. Honestly, you'll find more in the Old Testament of scripture than a man having it than not having one. <laughs> I remember the old doc. He said one day, he said, a fellow asked me if it was wrong to have a beard. He said, well, all I know, if that line would have shaved that morning, he'd still be a line. Amen. The Bible said that David caught him by his beard and slew him. He said, I imagine the man preached the funeral said, from ashes to ashes, from dust to dust. If you'd have shaved this morning, you'd still be with us. Amen. <laughs> the, the truth of the matter is that you got to have some discernment. <laughs> I remember the day when they preached against belt buckles and boots and all that kind of nonsense. Amen. Line it up with the scriptures. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Examine the scriptures. Can I say number six, and I'm almost done. Verse 13, they endured suffering. Can I tell you suffering's coming? We're going to have suffering. We're going to endure suffering. The Bible said that Moses endured affliction. Paul endured affliction. Paul charged Timothy to endure affliction, hardship as a good soldier. Peter said some afflictions are accomplished in the brethren that are in the world. So you know what that means? When the devil tells you that no one is suffering like you, he's a liar. It is in the world. Everybody goes through pain and problem and suffering. Everybody has to walk by the casket. Everybody has to go uh, to the hospital. Everybody has to have that phone call. Everybody has financial trouble. Everybody has circumstances in their life that they cannot control. The more noble church, they don't get mad. They don't get bitter. They don't get full of resentment. They stay with God and endure the affliction. Some people suffer more than others. And I've seen some people suffer a great deal. And they go on. A friend of mine, Brother Bradley has preached for him, Brother Farr, his son got killed in a wreck. He is struggling. He was his song leader, his assistant, his youth director, his Sunday school teacher, and he's struggling. And he, he told me, he said, Brother Bobby, I can't understand all of that. But you know what he's doing? He's going on though, Brother Jason. He's still preaching. He's still pastoring. He said one time he contemplated resigning, but he didn't. The Lord talked him out of it. You see, we've got to endure. You know what James said? He said, Brother Dave, we count them happy, which endure. You know what? <laughs> all of the suffering is over when we get home. It's all done. I was telling Brother Lamar about Sister Glory. It's all over with for her. She's having a time. I'm talking about a time. Amen. 
He said we count them happy which endure. When we get home, if we suffer and we take it and we don't get mad and quit God and get out of church, we will be happy in the end. Amen. Count them happy. He said they endured suffering. And I say number seven and lastly, they encompassed the saints. You know what they did? They rallied around one another. We're in this thing together. I need you and you need me. I'm not a lone wolf tonight and neither you. I've met some people think I don't need nobody. Yeah, yeah, you need somebody. When you get depressed and you don't want to be around people and you want to be by yourself and you want to pull the covers up over your head and you want to stay in the bed and you don't want to get, you need somebody. You need to be calling somebody. You need to be talking to somebody. You know, there's times in your physical life that you'll get sick where you don't really want to pray. We should pray, Brother, brother Grant, but there's times when physically we just, we, we don't read a Bible. We, I mean, we're sick. You need to talk to somebody. You, you, you need to not go through that depression alone, you see. We rally around each other. Is Bible Baptist Church the more noble church? You know, the Bible tells us, commands us in Corinthians, not to compare ourselves among ourselves. But the Holy Ghost can do what he wants to. He said, Berea was more noble than Thessalonica. Thessalonica. 